podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi there, I'm Brian Abana, and you're listening to the Mall Over Podcast. Hello, and welcome to this week's Mall Over Podcast, the only rugby podcast that gives you the news, views, and opinion on the weekend's rugby action, all with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter. We are at Mall Over Podcast. Mall Over Rugby Podcast on Facebook. And as you've already heard, we are a proud part of the Sports Podcast Network, a network of excellent sports podcasts of all genres where you can listen to all sorts of different people talk about all sorts of different sports. Uh, this week, I am joined by the nicest man in Cornish Rugby Podcast in Ben Eustace. Welcome, Ben. Hello. And everyone's favourite uh, podcast curmudgeon is the Chinese Lensman. Welcome, Doug. Hello. You all right? Yeah, man. Hectic week. Hectic, hectic. week. Well, before we, before we get into my hectic weekend, let's just talk about your hectic week. Because on Wednesday night at China, yeah. which is between Oxford and Hemel Hempstead, is that not Hemel Hempstead, Oxford and Aylesbury, something like that? That's right, yeah. Oxford, Aylesbury, Wickham, that, that sort of way is uh, China versus the RAF in one of their RAF inter-service warm-up games. Yeah. Is that, is that fair <clears> to say? Yeah. Um, not sure what the sides will be, but that's by the by. What you should be watching for is um, the beginning of a project that could bring more rugby into your lives in, in a televisual manner. We're trying to get a, um, a little thing up and running. Uh, we had a few, we did a test event last week. It was, few glitches so we've enlisted the help of um some rather big players in the rugby broadcasting world to help with this just to get us off the ground and then going forward we're going to go back to a more um nimble mobile production um but this week uh there shouldn't be any technical gremlins so it should be a a, a good good week Awesome. And where can people find this when they're, when they're, well, I've actually stitched my own podcast up and we're going with, um, the egg chasers YouTube channel. So we've got Tim Cocker from the Egg chasers going to come down. He's going to be hosting it along with Laura Jane Jones, who's, you know, ex sky and, and, and does a lot of stuff with world rugby at the moment. And then uh, we'll have Rupert Cox, who used to commentate on Sky Rugby and is now one of the World Rugby Sevens commentators commentating. So, um, yeah, should be a, should be a good show. And we'd uh, ideally like some feedback after it because we want to try and – it sounds really cliche, but we want to try and get away from the traditional method of, of broadcasting. We want to fit somewhere in between the BT model and the Sky old Sky model. So, um not stuffy men in suits, but also not um, not the sort of in joke lad banter. That, well, there's there's room for that, but we we want it to be more sort of um, um, accessible, in, accessible and inclusive. We want we want it to feel like a rugby production that's um, being made by people who play local rugby rather than you know the upper echelons of rugby or, society yeah i know i know what you mean and what what time what time is all that kicking off mate uh so the broadcast will start at seven o'clock we've got a half hour build up and then we're going to go into the game which starts at seven uh we'll have a little bit of a halftime show in the second half and then we'll do a, a wrap at the end and uh we'll chat to some people we both know russ um cool 
to to wrap the show up. So we should all be done, you know, sort of 10, 15 minutes after full time. So, yeah, if you've got several devices that can all run YouTube, get them all streaming it so that we can uh, sell that to other people. Absolutely. So if you're listening to this, make sure from seven o'clock on Wednesday evening, you've got the Egg Chasers Rugby YouTube. So make we'll sure you go and subscribe to that. Account. Yeah, we will. Yeah. But make sure you go and subscribe and click that notification bell. I know people, all the golf people on YouTube say click the notification so you can see when people post stuff. And uh, and then you won't forget. And uh, yeah, we can support Doug. And then you never know, you know, if things go well, you might even see me and Ben on some stuff at some point in the future. Uh, I, Who wouldn't, knows? I would not count that out. Lovely. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so definitely before, be a free stream, that one. Yeah. <laughs> before, we, uh, before we get into the weekend's premiership action, I, I'm going to very talk, talk very quickly about my experience at the weekend. Um, returning to first team action for the first time in probably eight or nine weeks since my last go um, and a bit of injury um, only for Nuki to get their asses handed to us um, by Columpton. It was, it was quite the show. Columpton are a very good side. I must admit um, very direct, very forceful, very powerful. And we just couldn't live with them. And to the point where we lost uh, 87-10 at home to Columpton in the Cornwall Devon League. Um, it was hard work, lots of tackling. And as a 39-year-old man, I'm very, very stiff today. Are Columpton actually any good? Yeah, well, they were. I thought they were good, mate. I mean, they were they were as good as we were disjointed. I would suggest. But in that Cornwall Devon League, there's there's very much sort of two leagues within a league. There's the top four or five who look like they are far and away better than anybody else that could go into Western counties. And then there's the teams in the bottom half, the bottom five or six that could all go into their respective um, county only leagues like Cornwall one or Devon one or whatever. So it was, it was hard work, but what I will say is for all of the, the arsing that we got, uh, I managed to put Perry in for a try, managed to get a little, little two on one, draw the man, put Perry in, in the corner, which was nice. Combined age of 72, getting over getting over the line. And um, to come out of it injury-free, I actually really enjoyed it. Like, we got humping, but plenty of hard tackling, a beer afterwards. Again, I know we talk about being a long-time retired and stuff, but it was it was really good fun. Um, not getting a not getting a pump in, just being out on the pitch. So uh chances are I'm gonna stick around for the rest of the season. If selected, and uh, we'll until your marshmallow head suffers again, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I, you know, I haven't had that many concussions, so I should be all right. Um, but yeah, there you go. So that that was my weekend. Well done to Perry for uh, for his for his try and coming back, and for lasting most of the game without getting injured. It's the first time I've played with Perry where he's not pulled a hamstring. I think <laughs> so. Uh, that's that's a real positive. Um, did I mention last week about uh, a work colleague of mine when I was at a um, a work event a couple of weeks ago at Sandy Park, uh, a guy called Alex Bull. So hello to Alex. Um, came up to me who recognised my voice at a work event and said, uh, are you Russ from the Mall Over podcast? And uh, yeah, ra- random work event. 
and you get your voice recognised. I never thought I'd see the day, but you used to play for Did old you say, Red. Yeah, I, I am a big deal. I am a big deal. <laughs> no, I am a big cunt. Sorry. <laughs> um, but but yeah, he, um, we had a good chat. Like we we spent a couple of days uh, together at the event, and it was it was good. I used to play for old Reds in Bristol, Ben. Who you know very well. Yeah, been so, there. Uh, got got my ass kicked there. Yeah, I think we both have. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so so hello to Alex and th- and thanks for listening. Um, let's shall we get on? Let's go on to some weekend's action. Ben, Friday night, Bath versus Harlequins. Now I can't imagine there were many people, if any, out there that picked a home win for Bath on Friday night. That's that's two on the bounce. It is. Yeah, there's so few people out there that picked a win for Bath on Friday night. I didn't even watch it. Man. Um So uh, so yeah. Good judgment call from me there but um well it's it's the kind of thing that happens um in the six nations period doesn't it um but you would hope that bath were eventually going to kind of claw themselves out of the hole that they were in because despite it not being the most inspiring bath squad of of all time it does have some pretty decent players in it um by all accounts um Spencer turned up to the show and the addition, played very well. Really yeah, good. And and the addition of Hughes is always gonna help. Um, especially with, you know, Underhill so it sounds like he's out for the foreseeable now. Um, so you know, it's a bit of a sort of uh ballast in the back row. Um, but you know uh, Spencer Ajomo, admittedly Ajomo doesn't play at ten very often. Red Path, I was Joseph. really, I was really impressed with a Jomo. I mean, um, with Redpath every- playing twelve, I thought it was interesting that that they picked a Jomo in in that position rather than um, had him played than, there since he was sixteen. Yeah, but I thought he was more of a centre. So that's 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 poor on me. But you know what I really enjoyed about a Jomo was his um, the subtlety of passing. I thought his passing off of both hands was really good. I think just watching him over the over the weeks, that there is um, an element of a, a ten in him. In that, like you say, he's a good passer. He pretty much he's he's not shy of kicking. Um, you know, like a short get kicking game at least. And 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 he's definitely not going to die wandering. I mean, he's he's a tr- he's he's going to try things. Um, so if he was confident playing ten, I mean. Redpath is a is a classical twelve, isn't he? He's, yeah. So you might as well play your your Scotland international at his best position. Um, and you know Joseph is playing in his best position. Um, so it, it, you're not compromising a, a strength to to bolster somewhere else. Um, and you know if if he can carry on playing well, then might save them a bit of money in the long run because you know. Orlando Bailey's done all right, and well, it, it certainly increases their options, doesn't it? Yeah. And when you've got the likes of of Spencer, I thought Rocket Agu, like it was a real. I don't know what you think, Doug, but it was a really, it was a really workmanlike performance from from Bath. They really dogged it out, and every time in that first half, every time Quinn's got the ball, which wasn't very often, they put together a few phases and scored. Like they, they they scored the the try in the corner. Was it um was it Lamb that scored it? 
and then he went off went off straight away, and then Bath dominated possession and territory again without scoring, and then right almost right on the half, Quinn's break go down the other end and score again. And you just think same old Bath sort of soft bit of a soft underbelly and and can't take the chances. But they they clung on and they they dogged out and they came out in the second half a completely different team. Yeah, I think they um, for for all the for all the uh, ability in the back row in the in the backs their their forward packs largely been unaffected by international call ups and I, I thought that you know the second row pairing McNally and um, who's the other second row help me out. Williams. Williams. I thought they were immense all night. Yeah. Um, Mike I Williams know. is usually a penalty machine as well, and he? he's a bit of a liability sometimes, but he did yeah, play well. Yeah, they, they, were, they were brilliant all night. Just so much graft. And you, you could tell, like, that. It, it's odd to say about someone like Josh, who, who sort of, I think he's just largely one of those sort of English second rows that will just go unnoticed despite the amount of work rate you get gets through just because there's so many players like him. Yeah. But I think he plays to that level pretty much every time he steps on the field. Yeah. You don't noticeably see, and, you know, we, we've spoken to Josh before and, you know, RAF and lots of stuff, but I don't think I've ever s- watched Josh in a match and seen him have a bad game. No, he's got a level, and and that's what you're going to get every single time. Yeah, um, yeah. It, he'll walk on the pitch, they'll kick off, and he'll look fucked. And then 80 minutes later, he'll look the same level of fucked, but he'll yeah. have covered 40 kilometers in a game. You know. Yeah, yeah. He was immense. Um, I was also really impressed. I, I thought Hamer Webb played well on on the wing. He's a large man as well. He doesn't look it on telly, but he is a large unit. <laughs> nice. I've not, I've not seen him, and and he's been around that squad for quite a while, hasn't he? Was he in the seven setup for a while, Hamer Webb? Is that that they I couldn't from? tell you. Couldn't tell I you. I don't know. Um, and the other guy who I'm always really impressed with when I've watched him is Tom Ellis. It's six. I think he's he's been fantastic. Um, but let let's you know the main sort of talking point. The main the main guy was Nathan Hughes. Now you could you could almost tell right from the very start that um, if he had any sort of game, he was going to get man of the match because BT were desperate to talk to him afterwards, weren't they? (laughs) They wanted wanted an interview with him and it just so happened, you know, it transpired that he had a decent game. Um, I mean, I thought probably Josh was was as good, if not better, as far as man of the match and maybe even Ben Spencer, but it was always going to happen, wasn't it? It was the fairy tale story. And when he smashed Esterhazen, that was that was like a, a collision of a couple of planets. But um, it was good to see. And do you think Ben that that Hughes could could make himself a you know another couple of seasons at Bath? Do you think he make himself a little career there for a bit? I mean, he'd probably be injured within six weeks. But um, I mean, they're not going to invest in him for a long time. But like I say. They're in it for a good time. Exactly. That's precisely what I was going to say. Um, but, you know, if, if Underhill, like we say, we, we don't really know when he's coming back. Falatau's obviously off, so might be might be worth looking at. Um, but as you also say, you've got quite a few young back rowers coming through um, as well. 
So do they actually need to? Probably worth probably worth it, if I'm honest, especially if um, they don't want to finish in the bottom two again. Depends on the financials, though, I guess. Yeah. Um, but good stepping stone, good stepping stones of Bath. Signs of life. Yes, it's against a, sort of a, a semi-depleted Quinns. No Smith, no um, Don Brandt. But you would have thought with the, the, the players they had available that, that they would have had enough to, to get it done. Um, the likes of Green. I mean, Green struggled under the high ball. Ben Spencer's box kicking had Tyrone Green in all sorts of problems. Um, and they were, they were did, just... Did, did Eddie see it? <laughs> I think people made sure that Eddie saw it. Well, I don't know if anyone, if Eddie could let me know if he saw Tyrone Green's attempted tackle on the Muir try in the far left corner, because that wasn't great. <laughs> I, I I don't remember the specific attempt. Was it was it rather weak? Well, it was um, it was Andrews esque. <laughs> was it was it like a was it a weak arm? Go go on then, yeah, Will. Yeah, like in you go. He, he was sold, you know, sold by a sidestep that you could have pulled off, Russ. <laughs> you, I, I haven't got a sidestep, mate. You, you've thrown that dummy and I'm very much buying it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks for the offer. I'll take it. <laughs> Is that 50% off? <laughs> right. Let, let's move on. Let's move on. Well done to Bath. Let's uh, say second win of the season. Let's move on because we're on a bit of a, a tight time frame because... Dougie has got his uh, important week and he's got some stuff lined up that he's got to do. So let's fly through Saturday's game. Doug, you were uh, working, were you working at Worcester or in the, uh, the BT, the, the video hub? Uh, yeah, Saints? I was in, I was in High Wycombe for Worcester v Saints, a game in which Northampton Saints singularly proved that they are better than an absolutely awful Worcester Warriors team. A, a, di- a, a new era, a diamond era, Worcester. I mean, yeah. that didn't that didn't take long, did it? Well, I, no, but I also I cannot imagine that there are many of those um, Worcester players that will be around this time next year. Um, they were so soundly beaten that if Steve Diamond slept more than ten minutes since that happened, I would be, I would just be amazed. I'd be absolutely amazed. It, it was it was so bad from Worcester. And they only really got going sort of 20 minutes from full time. But, I mean, they, they just offered nothing. Absolutely nothing. In both attack and defence? Yeah. Um, the the Mitchell try picks up from a ruck and just goes for a, a gap that, with every step he took, got wider. It was It was almost like they were like, the defenders were thinking, well, I tell you what, rather than try and tackle this fellow, we'll just run away from him. After which, you know, I was there for, but um, yeah, not, not a great look from, from Worcester. Very much felt like uh, they were almost ready for holidays or, uh, you know, already. Already mailing it in. Yeah. Yeah. And like I say, I wouldn't be surprised if a few of them had some bad news delivered um, from from uh, Diamond in the week, as in, yeah, you're not going to be here much longer, lads. So, you know, enjoy it. Idea for a show: Diamond <laughs> in the Diamond in the Rough. 
Um, Steve Diamond scours South Africa to replace <laughs> bang average English rugby players. <laughs> oh, I mean that that could actually work if you don't do it. If you don't do it, BT will. <laughs> you do it in a pub car park. Um, and London Irish beat Exeter eighteen fourteen. Um, I didn't watch this. Exeter zipped out into a fourteen nil lead, but London Irish are strong at home, and they are largely unaffected by international call ups as well. Um, and I think that you know, of of all the teams, when you look at when you look at Bath, when you look at London Irish, when you look at Wasps, who will come on to, um, and Sale, it la- all largely unaffected by Six Nations international call ups, and it and it's a time where they can really start to close the gap on on that top four. I mean, Gloucester Gloucester beat Newcastle away. Saturday night, Reece Samet scored a, a wonder try. Um, but, I mean, London Irish's fixtures as, as they come up, they've got um, Gloucester away this Saturday, then Bristol, then they're home to Saracens away at Sale. They they could legitimately be close to the top four by the time, um, by the, time the Six Nations finish, as can Wasps, who, you know, obviously beat Saracens on, on Sunday. Um, but they go to Exeter. They play Bath, Quinns, and Bristol in the next four weeks. So, what do you think? You know, I'm not even sure what sort of question we want to ask here. But uh, the, do you think this Six Nations is going to be worse than other years for um, having an impact for teams that are actually losing their players? Um, I don't really want to get into already. I, we seem to have a habit of saying this is going to be shit. This is going to be shit. I don't want to get into a habit of um, of that. So I don't think it's going to be worse than any other year in no. terms of the effect it has. Well, I don't. I didn't really want to say it. I wasn't going down the road of it's going to be shit because having you know you endure. We've endured two weeks of European rugby, which has been which has actually been really shit not really any close many close games like the, the odd one here or there but actually and they said this on the egg chasers last on on the episode from yesterday and, and i agree with it is that at least within the premiership you're almost guaranteed competition obviously you you mentioned worcester versus saints there which may have been a bit of an outlier this weekend but all the other games you know, Newcastle, uh, was it Newcastle 22? Um, let me get this things back. Um, I've lost the, I've lost the website, but Newcastle 22, uh, Bristol, uh, sorry, Gloucester 32, London Irish 18, Exeter 14. There was the close game on Friday night, which was a one score game. And then you had the games on Sunday that was, you know, Wasps 26, Saracens 20, and then the, the game at Sale. Now, what what anybody wants is is competition. If you're selling a product, you want it to be competitive. And I think having the game that we'll come on to in a minute on, on ITV, as well as um, regular competitive fixtures, I actually don't think the Premiership is anywhere near as bad as it has been for a little while in terms of competition and in terms of, of intensity and, and actually a, a, a skill level. 
Yeah, it's been pretty close for a long time, though, hasn't it? It it just so happened you had Saracens and Exeter who were pretty outstanding at one stage. But we've been saying for years, like other than those two teams, it's you know between third and I don't know, eighth or ninth place is usually pretty much pretty savagely fought, and it it might just be that. There isn't quite such an outstanding team this year, um, and, it, and it's um, you know it's probably spread between three, arguably four teams, um, rather than there being two. So it it possibly feels a little bit closer than than it has done in the past. Um, and you've also got maybe the internationals. Are, I've got no scientific way of proving this but maybe the internationals are coming from fewer teams than normal so perhaps yeah. that's even it out for the next couple of weeks I don't know whether it's a good thing I mean it's a good thing for, for the league but whether it's strictly fair I don't know because you're almost being rewarded for being a bit average but um it's you cut it off accordingly don't you that's just the way yeah. it's just the way it is that's just the way it is. But it's, um, it's always been the way. It's not like it's a new thing that the Premiership's just brought in. It's been like that forever, isn't it? Yeah. But I just think I just think the, the quality is a little bit more in general. You know where we've seen teams already by, you know, over the last two two seasons just completely tossing it off by this period of the year because they're like, well, yeah, we're not going to win anything, so we're just not going to bother. It feels more competitive than it's done over the last couple of years. Maybe maybe it's just a bit of optimism off the back of, of the European weeks. But, you know, I, I enjoyed all the rugby I watched this weekend. I, I enjoyed all of it. Um, I especially if, enjoyed Sale Leicester yesterday. But if you, we'll if, you, if you think, I know we're a short time, but if you, if you kind of think back though, Russ, it, probably in every season up to this point or pro- before last season, certainly, you would have had one game, perhaps two, in every week where you pretty much knew the result. Yeah. Saracens were going to batter someone and Exeter were going to batter someone. And unless they were playing each other or possibly one or two other teams away from home, then it was it was almost a foregone conclusion. But you, you don't go to even into a Quinns game, Quinns probably being the strongest side at the moment, but you don't go into one of their games pretty much sure they're going to win. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very much an anyone can beat anyone, and and the Bath result on Friday night kind of just typifies that. Yeah. Um, but after those early signs of life, Worcester uh, reverted to type clearly. Um, but I let's just, say, I, I think I think I think it's more of a a, a case of every team is going to have those up and downs, and the teams that will be good are the ones that are going to have the least amount of up and downs. But Worcester have over the years been the team that has always been the most up and down of all the up and down teams so why would anyone think that there'd be anything different the teams will be the most successful will be the teams that have the least up and down of all the teams that have up, ups and downs is that what we're saying is that what yeah. you said yeah okay Some, something along those that doesn't lines. make sense to you and i can't help you i'm afraid <laughs> thanks very much um as ben said i know we're we're short we're short on time tonight so we're good we're going to rattle through which um, is my fault too, no it's not no, you've got important important business to take care of. 
And uh, nobody really wants a whole hour and 20 <laughs> I minutes. I you were going to say, nobody really wants to do this anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all know that's semi-true. Um, but Least let's, of all, let, Phil. Yeah. Well, yeah, Phil hasn't even bothered to show up tonight, the absolute amoeba. Right. <laughs> let's... Um, Let's move on, right? Let's move on to Sale versus Leicester because this was um, ITV's first premiership game of their new five-game deal or or whatever it was that they've signed. I don't know the ins and outs of it. But what... Never let it be said that we're not prepared. Well, but people don't come to us. People don't listen to us for preparation, Douglas. I mean, you could have ended that after listen to us. That's true. Um, but what an advert for um, for Premiership Rugby as a, as a as a game. I thought as as a as a a competitive fixture, it was absolutely brilliant, and it had a little sort of dusting of of everything. Um, I've seen some stuff around engagement um, numbers and you know what it actually means over the longer term. God only knows, but. You know, sort of sales reported, you know, a thousand percent increase in in website hits and um, ticket sales for future matches have, have increased exponentially off the back of off the back of that. There was a full house at uh, the AJ Bell, which doesn't happen very often. Um, but then you can think, well, how often do they have a game on a Sunday afternoon? Probably not as often as they have a game on a Friday night. But all signs were pointing towards a real positive outcome. Of, of this match in general. And, you know, as I say, as a, as a fixture, it was really, really good. Um, Sale would have been kicking themselves in the first half, 18-5 down, Leicester almost out of sight. McGinty, they're not able to get anything going. Revolving door, Rob Dupria, definitely the most bullied of all the Dupria brothers. <laughs> um Although that shocking try they conceded wasn't anything to do with him, was it? No, it wasn't. It was uh, the Guy Porter try. Yeah. Where it was um, Will Cliff and somebody else. um, It might have been the other winger. Was it McGuigan or was it um, Roebuck who who fell off the tackle? It was a good handoff from, um, from Porter. But Leicester were really good first half. And, and I thought Freddie Burns had a good game. Like, he controlled things. He he didn't make too many Bur- Freddie Burns-like mistakes. And, you know, Leicester were comfortable at halftime. But, hello? Excuse me. That was uh, all of the computers in the office going mental. <laughs> <laughs> um, but second half, uh, all that can can really be described is Leicester shitting the bed, Ben, I think. It's probably the, the best phrase for it. Yeah, seems fair. Um, they they took Burns off pretty early. Um, I think Dunk said in our group it was perhaps that their game plan was working rather than he was particularly playing out of his skin. Um, uh, but maybe, but- I, I did, maybe he just wasn't playing really shit. Yeah, I mean, they almost overdid it a little bit. They 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 had a plan to sort of pin sail back, and and they were literally kicking from just outside the sail twenty two, um, and and they probably left a couple of chances out there doing so, but it was effective. Um, but sail just 
seemed to have a, another case of the dick fingers, really. And once they cut that out, then um, they soon got back into it. Um, they brought uh, Langdon on at Hooker, and he kind yeah. of gave them a little bit of impetus. Um, bringing Sam James on, I think, was a, a good move as well. Um, it, it puzzled me that they started with Sam James on the bench and Dupree at 13. It makes no sense to me. That yeah, I don't, I, I don't know how fit he is, but, um, you know, I think uh, that that they just sort of sharpen their act up as much as anything. And, and, and Leicester kind of just did the opposite and kind of slowed down. Yeah. Um, is it... Dan Dupree, isn't it the the number eight? I, I thought he was brilliant. Again, I think Phil picked him yeah. up a couple of weeks ago, but he's he's very hard to bring down. He's quite old fashioned as a number eight. Which isn't yeah, a he bad scored thing. The, he scored the charge down try, didn't he? Yeah, um, Luke James scored a lovely try in the first half. He, he he does seem to have a habit of just running into the odd uh, dead end a little bit, but um, I thought he played pretty well as well. Um, in terms of of, of Leicester. Um, Paul Hegarty got sort of given a poison chalice and put in at 10 um, and it didn't go very well from there. Um, but again, they're, they're missing a lot of players they, and they probably, you know, they weren't expecting to be short of George Ford until, no. until Farrell got injured. So perhaps they didn't have quite as much. Oh, they yeah. would have had some forward planning, but, you know, perhaps not as much as they caught, um, caught short a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, even like, you know, Chesham was quite a surprise call up. Um, so, you know, they aren't, they, did they get one bonus point or two in the end, but, um, uh, just one, I think, but, yeah. you know, they probably aren't, they, they will be gutted because they lost after being so far ahead, but actually it's not the worst result from that game. Doug, Doug, Doug's literally smashing up his office. No, no, <laughs> Kev has just come in, he's, uh, who I work with, and uh, I'm going to have to bolt. Right, mate. Well, listen, best of luck Cheers. for Wednesday. We'll all be watching. Um, and, yeah, make sure, everyone, that you check out the YouTube. Um, we will see you later. Cheers, man. Sorry I've got a bolt. See you later. Speak to you all next week. Cheers, bye. Cheers, bye. bye. So, yeah, it's... That's that's a couple of defeats on the bounce now for Leicester. Equally as Bath were um, two wins on the bounce. That's just a couple of defeats on the bounce now for Leicester. I don't see it being too much of a problem for them. They've got quite a buffer um, at the top of the Premiership now, and they should be should be fairly set for a top four position. But you you know we know we're not know what's going to happen over the next few weeks. Um, but a, a surprise result came at, at the Rico, where uh, a, a 450-year-old Jimmy Gopeth-led Wasps managed to cause an upset against the Saracens. Um, they're just not as fearsome as they used to be, Saracens, are they? And even though they've still got an exceptional squad, the the big sort of aura that used to follow them round just doesn't, it's just not quite there anymore. Would you say that was fair? Yeah, because they're, they're not as good. Well, no, they're not. Yeah. But they've um, still got... I mean, look, look, you look at their look at their pack. You've got both of the Polars. You've got um, Swinson, 
you've got Cock, you've got uh, Hunter Hill, you've got Earl, Walsh, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're still decent. Still a good pack. Well, it's, they, they are decent. They're second in the league, but they aren't. They aren't, well, you know, and Doug, Doug would, if Doug was still here, he'd tell us his exact reason why. But they're, they're not the team that won the, um, you know, all those European Cups and won the league for so many seasons. It's a bit like, um, you know, someone like Man United or Chelsea. You know, they're still a top four or five premiership team, but they're not as scary as they were when they were winning European Cups. Um, you know, you say, you know, Hunter Hill and Swinson, all right, fair enough. But, you know, that is not a Toje and Cruz. And, True. and you know, the, the Vernipolas maybe have lost a little bit of their shine now. Um, you know, they're not probably as feared as they were. Um, you've got, you know, you've, you've, there's no Wigglesworth and Spencer at nine. You've got no Barrett. It is a different team. It's probably not quite got the clear identity that the old Saracens team had. Yeah. They were always going to just beat you up. They were going to overpower you. Do you Um, think, here's a question, do you think there was a bit of a knock-on from the news surrounding Mark McCall from last week? Stepping away due to health reasons? Yeah, I mean, you you wouldn't be surprised, would you? I mean, that, that, that does affect teams, especially someone that's been there for so long. You know, might have had the opposite effect where they might, you know, go out and win it for Mark or whatever. But yeah, I mean, playing well, aren't they? So it all all seemed quite sudden. The whole Mark McCall thing out of nowhere, didn't it? It hasn't really been listed about, you know, what um, what what's the matter of him and how long he's going to be away for. But you know, we we do wish him a speedy recovery. Nobody likes to see the. anybody stepping away for for medical reasons especially through choice That's, there's obviously yeah. something there's obviously something going on there um i mean nobody wants to listen to us whittle away as a twosome for too long ben but um obviously this weekend sees the start of the six nations uh england travel to scotland uh 4:45 on saturday evening um some covid related absences now joe marchant is out of the weekend uh tommy freeman's got a hamstring injury as well so he won't be traveling um we went through the the england squad last week what who we thought our uh, our team would be and i actually picked marchant at 13 so it could it could you know if eddie was thinking along the same lines as i was could force his hand a little bit um Maybe by picking someone like Atkinson at 12 and Slade at 13. You were there anyway, weren't you? Yeah, that's what I was picking anyway. I mean, it's it looks the most likely pairing now. Um, the only thing you could say is, is he, has he picked daily to, to pick him, if you see what I mean? Is he, you know, he's brought an experienced player in. Maybe he'll play him and he, you, I suppose you could play him at uh, 13 and... and Slade at 12, I wouldn't do that myself. It's still a bit lightweight. I'd, I'd go with what I said last week. But I, I, I don't know. It doesn't... They're good players, but it doesn't fill you with a huge amount of overconfidence. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I mean, I like the idea of Don Brandt, Curry and Laws. I think that would work. 
um, in the back row and the, the front five's pretty settled, I guess. Um, but it's it's not the most terrifying England team I've ever seen. No, I'd be in agreement with that. It's it's always it's always hard when you're struggling to find out or you're struggling to think where you're going to get over the gain line um, in, to make those hard yards, isn't it? Obviously, Don Brandt will do that job. Um, I mean, it's a bit of a throwback, isn't it? I mean, how many years were we going? You know, were we going? What is England's best centre pairing? And we were picking, you know, random rugby league players who I can't pronounce out of nowhere, and um, you know. It was it was real mix and match for five, six, seven years, um, you know, and and it is through injury this time, but it does feel a little bit like one of those teams that's kind of got a bit of a hole in the middle. Having said that, you know, Atkinson's a, a good player, um, you know, he could play out of his skin, so we'll see. Yeah, it, it just the thought of Mark Atkinson playing twelve for England completely and utterly underwhelms me there's nothing wrong there's nothing wrong with it as such but there's a, there's nothing to get excited excited by is there it's just like oh yeah who's who's one of the steadiest premiership 12s that knows how to play 12 and do a job like it's i not mean you from your international he is, 12 is it he is a ha- he's a good distributor you know really good offloader He's, he's obviously going to um, run straight as well because he's a big old unit. Um, if Slade plays like he did against South Africa, then we're in business. Because they could um, go Slade and Northmore. He could pick Northmore as a 13. Do you, do you think that him that Slade, not so much this year, but he's quite used to playing with Devoto? Yeah. So... Well, he plays, so Slade plays 13, either outside of one of Devoto, Witten, or Hendrickson. Yeah, so that's kind of playing to what he's used to. And I yeah. would say of, of the three, Atkinson's probably closest to Devoto. Um, you know, tall, but big. Yeah. Um, so, and, and also Smith is used to, you know, we, we covered it, quite a lot of depth last week smith's used to having a big unit outside him as well so it kind of makes sense and and i think yeah you're right it's not as exciting as having two laggy there and or or you know but at the same time he's not let gloucester down at any point so no and and there really isn't anyone else i mean obviously atkinson is is in the squad but when you look at it when you look across the premiership stuff there really there isn't really anyone else that that could do that. I mean, Sam James possibly could yeah. do something like that. I mean, um, he could, but, but the, could, but the, he's not, he's not really had cupboard, a look at him, has he? No, but the cupboards are fairly bare as far as a direct running 12 go, aren't they? Yeah, I think so, really. Well, you know, Tua Laggy's injured. Um, I mean, we've mentioned the Exeter players. Uh, yeah, I mean Hendrickson's nowhere near the level, but he is—he's a big lump at twelve, isn't he? Should, um, should probably have kept Redpath sweet. Yeah, I mean that would be lovely, wouldn't it? Yeah, um, um, but yeah, like like you say, the, there isn't a you know, S- and Esther Heisen sat, sat there waiting for us to to pick him out of nowhere. 
So, um, we, I can't remember if it was us talking about it last week. It was, I think, when we were talking about the sort of utility back sort of fashion yeah. that England's yeah. got. And um, I don't know. I think if you if you look at a lot of other teams, they they don't have that. Um, you know, say Ringrose is easily identifiable as a th- as a thirteen, and yeah, Aki is easily identifiable as a twelve, and um, I think a lot of other teams have the same. Um, you know, they're at least identifiable as a centre rather than. Oh, he could yeah. could do a job on the wing, could do a job at ten, could do a job at full back. I don't think you'd put um uh you know uh Dialende at ten. No, or on the or on back. The, yeah, but, you would you wouldn't, but you wouldn't, would you? Because he no. just wouldn't have the impact. And that's the point, I guess. That you know, it's we've got a lot of players that can do a number of jobs adequately well it's it's almost like they've they've taken the sort of um you know it used to be that every single english center just ran straight into a brick wall yeah it's almost like they've they've taken on the you know as their youngsters coming through they've tried to upskill them so they can do a bit of everything but they've they've picked this the, it, it you always think they've picked the players to upskill that are easy to upskill so the, yeah. all the ones that have played ten or fifteen at some stage, yeah. So there is play twelve. Yeah, there isn't the just the big unit that's been launched in a straight line every time anymore because it's like, oh well, we we can't we can't turn him into an all courts rugby player. We'll stick him at six. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I remember when I first started playing and being a sort of a footballer coming into rugby as a sort of an under fourteen, under fifteen. You know, play at school, but never really. Oh yeah, so you play football? Okay, you you can play fullback. You play fullback because mm-hmm. you can catch, you can kick. Yeah, and then and then you, I don't from know. Fullback, I've ever ended up there. From fullback, you then like the evolution of a fullback is if you if you then show a little bit more aptitude, you know, you you often end up filling in at ten because you can catch and you can kick, and then you know if you can catch and kick and you can run. Then you go, oh well, you know, you can play at ten, you can play at fullback, or you could probably you probably do a job at twelve as well. Mm. And then you just spend your life rotating around those three positions wherever there's a wherever there's a space. Yeah, now I think about it, I wonder if the fashion for big wingers is something to do with that as well. It's like it's like you can run hard and straight, but you haven't got the best ball skills. Yeah. You know, all right, well we'll 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 get it to you on the wing and, and you can go and do through. some damage. Yeah. Uh rather than playing them at 12 like we used to i don't know oh that's that that's the thing isn't it like we used to we went through that that like you used to be able to stand if you if you stood 15 people in a line you'd be able to go yeah prop prop second row second row number eight back row back row you know the back the back with the broken nose is the 12 yeah exactly yeah, yeah absolutely yeah the back that's the same size as this as the seven is yeah. the 12 um then you've got the smallest man on the pitch is the nine. Whoever runs, whoever's the, the, the you you have a short one that's really fast and you always have a, a tall, lanky one who was really fast. And then you have someone that, that is usually semi-good looking to play 13. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, 
somebody who can run a bit at 15. And that was kind of it. Like, or, you'd, you'd or, or one them. of us. Or one of us, that's right, yeah. <laughs> you'd, you'd pick them almost on on, on body types. And you just look at me and go, yep, away you go. But, I mean, those those days are long gone. Um, we've digressed a touch. Who, um, how do you see it going Saturday? It's looking like it's going to be pretty windy at Murrayfield, sort of 40, 50 mile an hour gusts, um, which might whip around the stadium somewhat. Although, having seen some of the photographs of Scotland after some of the storms at the weekend, most of it is flat anyway. Yeah. Um, um, my gut is Scotland might sneak it, but the weather like that will make it a bit of a lottery anyway. Uh, you think. England's pack might get on top, hopefully. Um, so I think the worse the weather, the better for England. And and if it is um, if it is in a in a gale and a and a thunderstorm, I'll probably be quite looking forward to watching Stewart. Yeah, as as will we all. Um, the other games, uh, Wales go to Ireland. Um, the bookies don't seem to be giving the Welsh too much hope. Um, going to the Aviva. Um, is there anything you want to say about Wales versus Ireland? I I would say Ireland, Wales or Wales, Ireland, whichever way round it is in a given year, is usually one of the best, one of the best games of the tournament. Um, so it would definitely be, be worth watching. I think everyone's seen Leinster, everyone's seen Munster. Um, so Wales going to be up against it. But, you know... They always seem to pull. It's a it's different. From it's, it's different, isn't it? Like you, you watch those. I mean, Cardiff beat Leinster in the Pro 14 or whatever it is the um, this weekend. Um, but you think that um, you think when those teams get together in the red and the green, it, it is often different, isn't it? Yeah, they're they're so. com- they're completely different proposition, and you know we watched them in the autumn and. As much as we complain about Welsh rugby fans on Twitter, the team has got some fine players in it. You know, especially yeah. in the back row and and the back three of the backs, and bigger gives you a chance. Um, but you know, you've got to make Ireland favourites. Um, you know, even whatever the weather conditions. I mean, I think you're probably going to ask about Sunday, and I was going to mention it. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm going to shock you. Think... you. <laughs> I'm going to shock you. I like France. Yeah, I think France might beat Italy. Well, I wonder if we're going to see a, a an experimental French side on Sunday. I, I mean, they have got everything in that squad. They are I... form on paper. They are formidable. And England I... go to France in the last in the last round. And if it gets that far, that it could be a championship decider, then we could have an absolute cracker on our hands. Well, yeah. Um, um, I, but they're delicious, aren't they? I don't think they're going to do anything other than put their best team out. Like I said, they've got, they've got Ireland next week. So give everyone a run. Um, you might start taking players off at half time, um, But I think they will go pretty hard at Italy. Um, Untamak at 10 or Untamak at 12? Well, I, I mean, I think you've got to pay him at 10, haven't you? After, well, after the last time he played? Yeah, but then obviously they've got Jalibert as well. Um, 
and you think, you know, what what are they going to do? It's it's interesting. Like I I think we might see an experimental French team against Italy, um, and you know they'll be they'll be super pumped and ready for Ireland. That's for certain. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that'll be. Uh, I mean, that'll be the game of next week for sure. I mean, Italy, England away <laughs> on Sunday. You know, that's going to be. I, 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 you can predict that game now. It will be grim to watch, and England yeah. will probably score two late tries and win by about fifteen points. Yeah, or or, or it will be like you say, they'll flatter themselves. They'll they'll win by they'll win by twenty five, but it will be two tries in the last five minutes. That, yeah. Make it look comfortable. There'll be there'll be some reason that in in the two podcasts we might do in two weeks we'll be complaining about England being uh, dragged down to to Italy's level and and not being as good as as they should be and um it's it's pretty predictable it's it's, it's pretty <laughs> predict- England Italy is is the same almost every year isn't it yeah okay um right. Let's move on. Um, have you got any other business this week? Um, just a, just a, a, a very quick one. Uh, I couldn't come and watch Russ's comeback because I was doing a bit of a walk charity. It's my uh, friend's charity from work. Um, I have already tweeted a link once, but if anyone wants to um, just take a quick look and, and see if it's something that interests them, I will tweet it again. Um, and uh, it's a good cause, so just take a look. Cool. Thank you. Um, I am just going to do a quick recommendation. I watched a. Um, there's a couple of things on on Amazon on video on the Amazon Prime Video. Um, there's a documentary uh, about Shane Warne. I don't know if anyone's seen it yet. It's really good. Um, of all, like as a cricketer even as an australian the guy is absolutely phenomenal obviously one of the best there's ever been and actually like when you when you hear about the the backstory and all of the other bits and pieces he's actually like he's just a serial competitor and a proper winner and you know kind of what we all aspire to be to a certain extent um and he's and he's made the best out of literally every ounce of talent he ever had which is which is pretty incredible um, and the other thing I watched, which has been around for a little while, is the um, the rescue about the Thai uh, kids football team oh, yeah. that yeah. they rescued in the cave. Mate, that is incredible. These two, I mean, I don't want to don't want to spoil it. Obviously, it's news, so it's, it's not a spoiler alert. But like two geezers from who do cave like do cave diving in Wookie Hole and places around Britain basically coordinating an entire military rescue with the American special forces. And the, just because they've got the the most and, and the greatest depth of knowledge in cave diving is, is incredible. And then and for those um, kids to survive is fucking, yeah, it's amazing. And, and then got called a pedo for his trouble, didn't he? Yeah. I know, yeah. <laughs> like, thank, thank, thanks Elon. Oh, fucking hell. Who would have thought it, but yeah, just, just a couple of, of interesting things to watch. You know, I quite like watching those sorts of documentaries. So, uh, not pedo ones, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the record. Um, 
Right, we're gonna we're gonna go. We've managed to, to string this out for the best part of an hour. Uh, we'll be back next week to have a look back at the Six Nations games and some Premiership stuff. Don't forget to subscribe and to watch the Egg Chasers YouTube. I mean, this we've plugged the Egg Chasers YouTube more than we've plugged our own podcast ever. I think tonight. But make sure if you listen to us and you by some miracle have never heard of the Egg Chasers and or have, have listened to their stuff or watched their YouTube, make sure you check them out. Wednesday night from 7 o'clock, uh, Doug and his team will be producing some excellent rugby content from Chiller Rugby Club, um, which hopefully, for for Doug's sake, uh, and you know, and, and for for all of our sakes, for regards to a different broadcast for for rugby, um, is a real success. And you know, it's really exciting. I, I know that it's been it's been something Doug's wanted to to get involved in and and do for for himself for a long time. So I mean, I, don't don't let him uh, know that I've said this, but I I really wish him all the best and. I'm really excited for him because I know how much he's worked for this and, and how much he's he's really excited by it. So, you know, a little bit of sentiment for, for Douglas there um, for all of our uh, laddish, um, childish banter. Um, we are actually pretty good friends. So I, I am, I am, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it for him and yeah, fingers crossed it goes well. Uh, other than that we will see you next week uh, and enjoy the Six Nations go well Sports Social Podcast Network